Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, Yins guys? This is Kim here, and you are listening to Bravo! East Coast Housewives. Let me just tell you, it is a beautiful Tuesday. I am back in the shy, honey, for now at least, trying to figure out what the hell's going on up here. You know, got some doctor's appointments that I got to take care of before the end of the year. You know what I'm saying? Health insurance, got to get, you know what I'm saying. It's the basics, honey. The basics of adulting. And it sucks, right? But we got to do it. So yeah, welcome to the show where we talk all Bravo East Coast. Yes, but also a lot of other shit too. So much going on. Oh my God. Definitely saw the preview to Southern Charm. Oh, I think that's October 29th. That shit is going to be crazy. This is during the pandemic and also when statues are being taken down and all that kind of stuff. Like it is an intense, intense season. It looks like it. The way that they're editing, of course, bravo. You geniuses, honey. You make me excited. So yeah, it seems like it's going to be intense. We see fucking Shep talk to Danny. Like he's inside, she's outside. Someone tested positive for COVID. We're seeing that Catherine is super white privilege and shit. So we're going to learn more about that, even though we kind of already knew that, right? Um, but goddamn, that looks really intense. I do have to say I'm going to be missing Cameron fucking Naomi, Chelsea. Chelsea is my girl. I'm so going to miss all of them because they brought so much to Southern Charm. And originally, whenever I found out that those three girls weren't coming back on, in my mind, I was like, oh shit, I hope they don't do Southern Charm just with like Shep, Craig, and Austin because I tell you, that would be boring as fuck and I wouldn't want to watch it. It would be like a fraternity party every fucking episode. And like, I just don't want it. I don't want it. I mean, the other thing too, Shep, you're like 40. You should be done with that shit. Look at Jax. Take some notes with Jax, right? And Britney's pregnant for crying out loud. We'll get more of that in with the Bravo. But Shep, you're 40. Come on. Austin, pretty sure you're my age. Craig, same thing. You got to grow the fuck up eventually. You can't be living that Peter Pan life that we all learned about from Patricia. Which, by the way, Patricia's fucking awesome. She is like a legend, okay? I want to hang out with her. I want a goddamn motherfucking caftan. I got to go online to get that shit. But yeah, Southern Charm, October 29th. Again, we got coming in hot. Real Housewives of OC. Can't find toilet paper anywhere. Kelly Dodd, yes. That's on the 14th, I believe. So get ready for that shit. Now, since I'm still spurting and spiraling in the Bravo world, let's get to what the Bravo. Alrighty there, honeys. What the Bravo. What the fucking Bravo. Okay, I know last week I was like Kris Jenner with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but seriously, honeys. <sighs> Caitlyn Jenner. And her partner, Sophia Hutchins, I never fucking heard of her before. They're possibly joining the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. What the fuck? Come on, Bravo. We don't want them on the show. And I know I said if Chris joins the cast, I'm not watching. But I tell you, if Caitlyn Jenner joins the cast, I'm not going to watch. I am tired of them. I am tired of the Kardashian family. Get them the fuck off. We don't need them a part of the Housewives franchise. They have their own empire. Don't fucking come over here in the Housewives. Like, I'm just saying, I'm going to be so upset and kind of angry if that actually happens. I saw this on Reality Blurb website, right? 
We need a break from you. We need a break from all of you. Okay, we already see you on Instagram and all this shit. We just need a break. Come on, give it to other people. You have enough fucking money. But the word on the street, as Giselle would say, that no one has signed any documents, but Sophia and the production team, they've been in contact about her joining the show as full-time housewife, where Caitlin would just be a friend. Guess what? I still don't care. I don't want them on the show. She comes on as a friend. I'm still not watching. You best believe that. For real. I'm being 100% serious. Wow, I'm definitely, I'm feeling so much heat right now. I definitely feel like this is going to be the most activated, as Lindsay Hubbard would say, from Summer House. Don't activate me. I feel like I'm very activated right now, and I'm just going to be quite frank with you. You're going to be hearing that for the rest of the episode because I have so much energy and emotion and anger and love and everything like that. (sighs) There's also a potential of having Kathy Hilton as a housewife. On Beverly Hills. Eh, okay. I don't really care about that. I'd rather have her on it before the Jenners and the Kardashians. I just don't want them on it. So get Kathy. Forget the other women. Okay? That's all I'm asking you. More on Beverly Hills. Teddy Mellencamp, honey. Her contract was not renewed. This is old news. I know that we saw this last week, but I'm just bringing it up. So her contract did not get renewed. I saw on her Instagram... She was poking fun. She was like, I guess I was too boring. I'm not coming back to the show. And she was just being quite frank. You know what? Even though I wasn't a huge Teddy fan, I do appreciate that she is honest with herself. Sometimes I think it gets her into trouble and she annoys the fuck out of me as well. But, you know, she's still a person. I don't think she's a terrible person. And honestly, I might like her in real life. Who knows? But in the show, it's different. Obviously, they're different on camera than they are in real life. I would assume... God almighty, definitely not Potomac. Potomac was real shit, and we'd be talking about that soon. Brittany Cartwright, honey, or Brittany Couchy, she's preggers, preggers with a boy. She had a gender release party, so you got Lala, Brittany, and Stassi all pregnant. Let me just tell you, with that, Vanderpump's over. It is. It's got to be. You got three castmates. Well, so Stassi's out, so we're not going to see her. But Brittany and Lala, they're pretty... They're pretty high on the list as far as like main characters, I'd say. But they're pregnant. They're not gonna they're not gonna have time to be filming and all this shit. They're just not. Vanderpump's over. Let's cry about it now and get over it because it's not coming back. Bring on a new show. Real Housewives of Chicago, honey. Or maybe just like real adults of Chicago because I wanna go on the fucking show. Like I can bring it, Bravo. Let me bring it to you. Yes, I'm snapping because I'm so passionate. Then I also think if Katie ends up getting pregnant between this time, you definitely know that it's fucking over. Don't, Max is gone. Brett is gone. Dana's not that interesting. What the fuck is her name? Danica is just angry at the world. Charlie is too ditzy to even realize where she is. Even though I kind of, I enjoyed her with the whole pasta thing. Ha ha ha. But yeah, it's just not going to work. Unless Sheena's in charge of everything, I think it'll be okay for a second and then people are going to get bored. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Let's shift over. Sheena was left out of Lala's gender reveal party. And I guess they had a falling out because Sheena's upset that Lala never consoled her with Sheena's miscarriage and all that shit. So now they're not friends because Lala didn't reach out. Yeah, sounds like a bunch of mess, but that's the story. Then we see, oh, last thing I want to talk about. The queen, the queen of housewives. Yes, it's not Nene. It's not Vicky. It is not, uh, who else is like a queen? I mean, they're all queens, but like really queen queens. Uh, Bethany fucking Frankel. 
Bethany comes on Watch What Happens Live after the Roni Part 3 reunion. And then we find out about the status of her marriage. Big thing. And I was so shocked and angry at the same time. Andy asks her, so are you and Paul talking about marriage? That is her current boyfriend. They've been together for two years. She says to him, and I'm going to quote, I'm still married. What? the fuck you have Andy looking big face like what the fuck are you serious listen people she's been trying to divorce Jason since 2012 do the math it's a fucking long time just frustrates me it frustrates me so much so Bethany is still married according to the law which we all know that our legal system is all fucked up anyways but yeah I was shocked by that and saddened by that because Bethany has been through the ringer with this guy. He's just not been a good guy. And I just hope it resolves soon, even though we've been saying that whenever we found out about it. So with that New York story, we're going to continue with the part three story of the reunion, honey. All right, Yins, guys. Uh, Main event here. Yes. New York part three. Oh, my gosh. The way that it ended, I like how it ended. I think it was a good conclusion for all of the ladies. It didn't end the way that Beverly Hills did because those bitches are mean. But our New York gal pals, they don't have time for that shit. You know why? Because they live in New York, honey. They live in New York. So at the beginning of the show, loved, loved, love that they went back and they were just showing all of the girls. They're like quirks, you know? So... For example, Ramona, she's like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Like, I'm Ramona Singer. I'm the singer stinger. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She apologizes way too fucking much, right? Then we get to Luann. Girls, let's go. Let's go. Let's go, girls. We got to go do this. We got to do this. Okay, we get it, Lou. We have to go. Then you have Sonia. You know, you live and you catch some dick along the way and then you die. Got to go catch some dick. Catch some dick. Da, da, da. Dick, dick, dick. So she's all about the dick. Okay, cool. You have beautiful Dorinda. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Can you imagine? Love. Come on. I use that in my everyday life. I mean, it's fucking amazing. You have Leah (laughs) probably doing the most interesting thing. She's just sniffing everything that's like in front of her. She's sniffing her armpits. She's sniffing her coffee. She's sniffing her food. She's sniffing the air. Like she's sniffing everything, you know, and she didn't even know that she did that. None of the ladies knew that they did their little quirks, probably except for Ramona. I'm pretty sure she knew because you know why? She's sorry. She's so I'm so sorry. I can't help it. So I thought that was a really cool beginning of the show. The ladies also discuss Ramona, or as I like to call her, Roro. They discuss her 50, 60, 70 closest girlfriends. And what the fuck is up about that? Because I have like 50 girlfriends. So it changes. 50, 60. Like, what the hell is it, Ramona? We don't even know. Okay? It's probably like 25. Maybe 10, if you're lucky. I mean, close, close girlfriends. So you see Sonia, she's getting super triggered. And I understand that because Sonia has been there for Ramona for everything. And with Ramona not even acknowledging that and thinking like Sally down the street or Betsy on fucking Fifth Avenue is like her best friend. No, honey, they're not. Social climbing is a thing, okay? Sonia was right. And she also claims that a lot of her friends that Ramona has, her closest girlfriends, uh, she met them through Sonia. So Ramona, you better just slow your roll a little bit because it's not that serious. Stop having the FOMO. Live your life. 
you got a beautiful family, great daughter, right? And then you got some amazing kick-ass bitches as friends, okay? That's all I'm saying. They're also starting to talk about the Elise and Ramona fallout. Like, why the hell do they fall out? Ramona, what's your problem? I don't understand you. So Ramona says that Elise is a black widow, whatever the fuck that means. But anyways, according to Ramona, Elise didn't really have Ramona's back whenever she came into this group, basically when she came onto the show this season. And Andy was like, hey, so is Elise the Barbara of this season? Which first of all, I'm always bring back Barbara, honey. Bring her back. I love Barbara, okay? But we find out that Luann and Barbara, mm-mm, they're not good. They're not good. They didn't restore or rekindle their friendship. They are done, which is really sad. I'm sad that they fell out because I thought they had a really good friendship. And I think the reason why they had a fallout is because with the way that they were flashbacking to last season, it almost seemed like Luann is not friends with her because... Barbara said that she wasn't a good singer and if that's the case that is really that's really sad because the whole world Lou come on come on Lou come on Lou you're not the best singer come on but you're a hell of an entertainer and we fucking love you okay like think about JLo she's not the best fucking singer but she's a kick-ass dancer and she's hot AF so you just gotta you gotta deal the hand that you're dealt with you know what I'm saying So they also spoke about Sonia's fashion line and her debut at Century 21 and all of her stuff there, which was so great. Also about her townhouse struggle, because we know that we've been seeing that shit on fucking for sale for years and years. So they were talking about that. And Andy was saying, you know, I think it's just great that everything came together for you, Sonia, because through the years, We were looking at your toaster oven, your tipsy girl cheater brand per Bethany, if we recall, and then certain products that never even launched, like the jewelry and the wine out of a can and all this stuff. But you know what, honey, you're in a store, Century 21, like that's fucking cool and amazing. However, in real life, I think they went out of business. I could be wrong on that, but I think I read that somewhere. But hopefully it didn't because her shit was awesome. And if you don't have her shit, go on her website, yes, and buy some stuff because it's it's great. It's beautiful, okay? Eventually they get on to Dorinda's temper because we all know that that was the thing of the season and Tinsley. Tinsley was like, like her name was like a bomb going off. As soon as you heard it, you heard, That's my close, uh, my, my close interpretation of a bomb. <laughs> but anyways, Dorinda's temper. What the fuck, D? What's wrong with you? So Dorinda admitted that she probably should have taken off the season and not been on the show because she was just so overwhelmed with everything. With John, of course, Bluestone Manor in the flooding. I mean, it was just a lot of shit that she had to deal with. And I think with her being on the show, it just elevated everything and heightened everything to a different emotion that she probably wouldn't have had if she wasn't on the show. But now she's really not going to be on the show anymore, which sucks because I'll miss her. I'll miss her. Clip! Clip! Clip, liar, liar, hoe on fire. Uh, say it, forget it, write it, regret it. Literally, amazing. I tell you how I'm doing, not well, bitch. Totally gonna miss those lines, okay? I mean, I even have that scene on my fucking Snapchat saved because I thought it was amazing. Along with Vicki Gumbelson's 
Whenever she, what did she say? Whenever she's sick, you get a casserole, okay? You get a casserole. Whenever you're sick, you don't, you don't do this. You don't, you get a casserole. So Vicky loves those casseroles. We know it, but we're not going to see those anymore in the OC, which by the way, I believe that starts sometime in October, very, very soon. Coming in hot! Shannon Bedore, that's right. So back to Dorinda. She couldn't cope with what was happening to her, with everything. But we also find out that she got really upset with Ramona, saying that Ramona was constantly reminding her about everything that was going wrong in her life. I think it was just way too overwhelming for Dorinda, and I think that's another reason why she added extra fuel to the fire with her attitude and her temper. But then we're all like, what about Tinsley? Like, come on, like, what the fuck? Ramona claims that Dorinda used her as the punching bag after Tinsley left the show. Dorinda obviously thinks that's a bunch of BS. And then they're talking about the issues that Luann and Dorinda had together because Dorinda and Lou, their relationship is super deep, right? Goes back a long, long time. Dorinda was in her wedding, Tom's wedding, you know, all that shit. It didn't work out. She, yeah, 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 cheers, right? Do we remember that scene? It was great. Uh, we didn't even know what the hell she was saying, but she was doing a cheers to the bride and groom, which didn't work out. We saw it. Luann expressed to Dorinda, I don't even know why you even came after me about me being in jail and drinking and all this kind of stuff. Like, how could you do that to me, to Lou? I don't understand. Really hurt Luann. Dorinda realized it. I think she realized it when she was watching the episodes, to be honest, because she did apologize within uh, this particular episode. But still, you know, inexcusable, unacceptable. It was just sad. And I also understand that Dorinda was going through a hard time. It's unfortunate that all of us saw it. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was fortunate and unfortunate that we saw it because A, we see that she's a human, like a real human, like all of us, because we've all gone through some shit or will go through some shit. But it's definitely harder because she was in front of a camera. So I couldn't even imagine how, I mean, she's a strong ass, she's a strong ass lady because she was able to do it. She might have not been as graceful as maybe she wanted to be because she didn't realize it. But I think she handled it the best way that she could. And I don't even care what anyone says. I still love Dorinda. I think she's great. She brought a lot of anger, which was sad this season, but I still love her. So love you, Dorinda. You're fucking amazing. And I will miss you for sure. Now with the anger thing coming up with Dorinda, Leah mentions, you know, me knowing Dorinda for such a short time, she's always been very pleasant to me. I don't really think that she hits below the belt. Woo! You look at all the ladies, which really are like four. <laughs> so the way that I said it was like 30, 40, 50 closest girlfriends. But you look at the ladies and they're looking at Leah like, what the fuck are you saying? Of course she hits below the belt. Like, you are crazy. You don't know what's going on. So Luann was like, I think you need to check that because she definitely throws below the belt for sure. But she hasn't done it to Leah. So that's why Leah said it. I totally get it. So it comes back around and Andy was like, seriously though, Dorinda, why do you get so pissed whenever you hear the name Tinsley? Or as Martin would say, Tinsdale. Like, why do you get so mad? Why do you get so mad? And then she goes back to saying that Tinsley wasn't authentic. And I just don't really understand that. I don't understand it. I think she was authentic. She, as Andy said, got off the show. She talked to the producer. She talked to Andy. She made everything in writing. And she left the show the way that someone would have to do that if they were leaving a job. She did it the right way. She didn't just up and leave. So for Dorinda to say that she was not authentic, I'm still confused by that. 
I think she was just projecting all of her anger with everything that was going on and her mourning, I think, really for Richard at this time in her life. I think she was just projecting all of that anger to Tinsley. Unfortunately, maybe she saw Tinsley as the weakest link out of all the ladies um, because her demeanor and everything is a lot less crazy all in your face as (laughs) majority of the other ladies. So I think that's why she went after her. I don't necessarily think that Tinsley was wrong with the way that she did things. I just think that Dorinda didn't really like how she did it. So I don't know. That's how it ended. But they ended on a good note. They ended on a high. Some of them did the elbow hit of like the elbow high five type thing. It was cute. It was a nice little ending. I like that ending. Hopefully, whenever we get to the Potomac reunion, I know, super, super far ahead of myself, which, oh, oh my God, I can't even wait. I Like, guys, I can't even wait. So honestly, because of that, let's get into the episode that was the fucking episode of the century of the year. You know what I'm saying? 2020, honey. Drag me, Monique! Drag me! Oh my God, Yin's guys. I... There was, oh, I can't even, I don't even know where to start. Honestly, there was so many emotions literally within the first 30 seconds of the episode. And I know that y'all felt it too. Yins guys felt it. I said yins and y'all, you get the picture. I'm going all over the place. Okay. Holy shit. The winery from hell. Okay. The winery from Washington, D.C. Even though I think they were in Maryland. Whatever. Okay. Monique and Candace, holy shit. The hair flick starts after Candace says, well, you want to drag me? You want to drag me, Monique? Monique, flipping the hair. I'm flipping my hair currently, just feeling feeling the event that I just saw, flicking the hair of Candace. Then all of a sudden, I don't even know what that meant, but it was just crazy as fuck. And all hell breaks loose. Monique is going after the hair. She goes on Candace's hair. She's yanking it. She's yanking it. Producers coming from side to side. Like, holy shit. It is like the craziest scene. Where the hell was everyone else who was not a part of the group, right? I bet you everyone was staring like insane. Crazy thing is this. Then you see Candace throwing her wine at Monique, which understandably so. I probably would do that too if some bitch came up to me and started tearing at my hair. Are you kidding me? Yes. Are you kidding me, Bethany? Are you kidding me? (sighs) So we see Candace throwing the wine glass at Monique. And then Monique, holy shit. She is little, but she is tough AF. She was swinging her hands. And then we later learn in the episode... The way that she was brought up as far as being threatened by someone, I will get to that later. But, oh my God, with how little she is. You couldn't get her off of Candace. I found that crazy. Those producers, the dudes, like, I can't even believe. How could you not get her off of Candace, right? I was sitting on my couch, guys, seriously, and I was, my heart was beating so fast. It really was. And I tell you, whenever the scene was happening and when there was a close-up of Monique's hand on Candace's hair, my eyes started to tear up. My eyes were tearing up. Like, I didn't even know how to, I didn't know how to act. I seriously didn't. And all the other times that I've been Team Monique, Team Monique, honestly, after this episode, I can't be Team anybody right now because that was just below the belt. I think this episode was probably the most biggest episode in Housewives history. I'm talking all franchises. This will be in the books as the biggest, most intense 
episode of all housewives of all time swear to you this is like the mvp episode and I, that's not saying that i'm like totally agreeing with the whole violence violence is bad don't do that shit that's fucked up but the first 30 seconds of the, of the episode look i can't even talk it was so intense i literally texted my mom because i'm back in chicago honeys yes i texted my mom i get on vibrate of course because she's texting me back all caps for her. And she's like, wow. Because the moment was wow. Motherfucking wow. Oh my God. But then it goes crazier. Okay. Monique leaves the scene all pissed off. Candace is saying, get that rat ass hood rat out of here. Ugh. So then you got Monique leaving and then she's in the hallway of the place and then you have the producer there trying to let her not move and then Karen's trying to open the door and the producer's like, who's there? And she's like, this is Karen. And then what happens? Monique finds her way out of that hallway. Oh my God. There was like blood boiling in her heart and her soul like you saw it. You saw it. She's going outside, just walking normally, and then all of a sudden we see Candace about to get in the car, and then Candace is in the car, but Monique, she starts running uh, like an Olympian. Not really, but you know what I'm saying. So she starts running, then what happens? Producer, producer, oh, no, Monique, no, Monique, let me go, let me go. All that jazz, honey, yes, oh my God, I, I can't, I can't. It was just too, too intense for television, but not really. I mean, I never even thought that I would see the day that, I mean, listen, we've seen some physical altercations happen down in the Housewives franchises, you know, remember Portia with Kenya with the whole twirl, twirl, we remember that, uh, what else, we remember, I mean, obviously, I remember Portia going after Cynthia on that damn yacht boat thing, holy shit, you don't want to mess with Portia, basically, don't mess with her because she will come after you, but we have seen some physical things, but I never would have thought that I would see something as intense as this. And like I said before, when I was watching it, I, I didn't even know what to do. Crying, tearing up. I mean, not really, really crying, but I was tearing up. My heart was pounding, all this stuff. And it's all because Monique's flicking the hair. Candace is saying she was asleep, but Monique was awake. Like, holy fuck. Okay. <sighs> It was the fight of the year for anybody, like it really was. This was bigger than the ponytail pull felt around the world. And I know that you all have to feel the same way. Like it was just more intense. It was much more emotional than anything I've ever seen before as far as fights are concerned. Now if we look at all the women after this whole thing happened. Monique is in the car. Candace is in the car and they leave all this kind of stuff. What happens? All the women are basically blaming Monique for this whole thing. Okay. She's bringing up the whole Sharice thing before the whole fight starts. So listen, that was so intense. I, I can't. Yeah, I'm done talking about that. Let's move on. We see Candace calls Chris, tells him what happens. Then we see Monique call her Chris and tell him what happens. And here's the thing. I like both of the Chris's. I think they're great. They're good listeners. I think they're very supportive towards both of the women. I love what Monique's husband said. He was saying that he was embarrassed by this whole thing. Like, you women are grown. You shouldn't be doing that shit. Like, really, what, what is wrong with you? Are we, how old are we, you know? So I appreciated Chris saying that. And yeah, just don't fight. That shit's fucked up, okay? We already got enough problems going on in the world. 
We don't need more fights. Love each other, people. Come on. So the next day, right, Wendy's reflecting on the fight between Monique and Candace, and she was essentially talking about her kids and their future, and she's like, you know what? I'm not about that. I don't want to represent anything like that with violence, and I am not about that type of behavior. So she wants nothing to do with it. And we all know that Giselle and Ro- basically all the women don't want to have any, they don't want anything to do with it. I mean, even Karen says after the whole thing happens, she's like, I didn't know this shit would get violent. Me either. And if you think about it, we are only halfway through the season. We are only halfway through the season. So these bitches still got to go to Portugal. Does Candace go? Does Monique go? If they both go, are they cool? I don't know. But we are definitely midway in the season. So we're just going to have to wait and see how that plays out. Giselle's talking about how their fight was deplorable. That's a really good word, by the way. And after she's talking about their fight, she was talking about her daughters because they're about to go to Atlanta to open up or relaunch the restaurant that Jamal bought for the girls called Arizona's. I'm sorry. Don't you find it kind of funny that they're relaunching a restaurant called Arizona's whenever it's in Atlanta, Georgia? Just saying. Let's ponder that for a second. I think that's a little weird. But... That happens. They're going to Atlanta, doing the thing. I wonder if they saw Portia or Nini or Cynthia. If they did, hey, guys, what's up? So then we get to Candace and Chris also reflecting again. Candace is like, I want nothing to do with Monique. She don't want to have anything to do with Monique. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't have anything to do with any of them. They're both shady and not cool sometimes. And like they hit below the belt like for real for real. Like, they use the belt. They don't hit below the belt. They use it. You know what I mean? It's crazy. It's crazy. Candace also feels that Monique intentionally did this on purpose to want to hurt her maliciously and physically. And if that's the case, that's really sad. That's really sad. And yes, all the women throw shade and they do some things that are a little questionable, but you never want to hurt anyone physically. That's just fucked up. It's fucked up. I mean, look at Ashley Darby has been through the ringer with her life in general. All the girls are talking about her marriage. and Like, honestly, the emotional strength that she has, I would love to have some of it because she is a tough-ass cookie. But putting your hand on someone physically, that's just not cool. It's not cool. Then we get to another sad part of the episode. Oh, my God. Karen is doing this whole happy birthday, Ray. I'm your woman. I'm trying to keep the buzz alive, all this kind of shit. So she wants to cook for him, which is hilarious because why would you hire so why would you hire someone to cook for you? When oh, Karen, all you did is you put the chicken or what was it? Fish. All you did was put the fish on the fucking skillet. Oh my god, that's cooking. I mean, look, if I could afford that shit, I would do it too. But this this girl needs to do it herself, okay? Oh, oh well. I just have to make a lot of money or marry like a sugar daddy. So summer is over and fall is here, yins, guys. So much is changing. It's increasingly difficult to find the extra time for you and the time that you need to take care of yourself and look awesome. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes and you can look 10 years younger. Yes, I said it. 10 years. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. It visibly reduces wrinkles, fine lines, and even the bags under your eyes in minutes, and the results last for hours. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit triplexiderm.com and use the code BELIEVE. Again, that's triplexiderm.com and use the code BELIEVE. That's B. 
B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Make those wrinkles, lines, and those bags under your eyes disappear with Plexiderm. So as Karen's trying to save her marriage, Ray is telling her that he feels neglected because now Karen is a businesswoman with her fragrance out and all that kind of stuff. Then she was talking to Ray about the whole situation uh, with Michael and everything like that. So they were talking about all that shit. Then the Bryans are in Atlanta for the relaunch. The ladies stayed in a hotel. And in my mind at first, I was just like, why the fuck are they staying in a hotel if they're supposed to be back together? I don't know. But we hear that Giselle is saying she's doing that for the comfort of her girls because we all know, remember, that they're a little uncomfortable with mommy and daddy being back together because they're not really used to it at all. That was interesting to me. But I appreciated that. We also find out that Giselle never, ever told her dad that she was back with Jamal. Why? Because her dad hates him, which I think any father would. Like, if you have a daughter and you're a father, I'm pretty sure if there's a dude that messes with your daughter's heart, you're going to want to fucking kill him, right? You're going to fucking want to go after that guy because he hurt your baby, right? I mean, I'm not a father, but I have a dad, and I'm pretty sure with some of the boyfriends that I've had, he don't like them. He don't like them. So, ex-boyfriends, you hear me say this. He doesn't like you, period. Yeah, that shit is real, and I know that we all know what that's about. We go back to the Samuels residence. Chris is talking to Monique how he's disappointed in everything, and you know what? Fighting shouldn't even be anything in their household, and he's like, I know that... You don't care about image, Monique, but I do being a retired NFL player. You know, he's got a reputation to uphold. So Monique kind of fucked it up at that point. But really, was it about him? No. But we also see majority of the time, just through the conversations with Sharice being with that um, basketball player when she was married to him, but also Robin with Juan and then Monique with Chris. They're all athletes, right? They're professional athletes. They don't do it anymore, but they were so used to everyone kissing their ass and doing all this shit. It almost seems like Chris is kind of making this whole thing about him, in a sense. Not saying that I defend Monique with her actions whatsoever, but I found that a little bit interesting. Just ponder on that. What do you guys think? Monique is telling him, you know what? It was a long time coming for Candace because she is batshit crazy. I don't know if she's batshit crazy. I just think she is a Regina George. I do. I think she's a Regina George. I also feel like her bark is bigger than her bite, you know? And with Monique, clearly her bite is bigger than her bark. That is for sure. Because you don't really see Monique getting in too many, too many fights with the girls as far as the way that Candace does because she goes off. But as I was saying from the beginning, right, with Monique, the way that it turned out, Monique grabs Candace's hair, but the way that she was taught from her mother, she says, and I don't know, this could be a good thing, especially for women if you're walking home it's on the street at night, which first of all, you shouldn't do that, get an Uber, but you know what I'm saying, just for protection, Monique was taught, you step on the foot, grab the hair, and punch the face if you ever feel threatened. Now again, I don't say that you should do that, but I feel like I might put that in the back of my mind if I ever feel threatened or if anyone's really coming after me whichever but again no violence right people come on then we're back in Atlanta Giselle meets up with her dad and the girls and she tells her dad that Jamal bought the girls a restaurant so they're owners now and they're trying to put their girls to work just to see how all this shit happens and how it forms and all that good stuff so after that she tells her dad that she's back with Jamal 
Of course, this is when the girls weren't there. She wanted them to go back to work, right? I find it so funny. Anytime that Giselle wants to talk about something serious and if her girls are there, they always have to like go to the bathroom or they have to go back to work. That's just funny. Something I noticed. Giselle tells her dad again, I'm back with Jamal and I want you to be supportive and we're moving forward and we're letting go of things. I didn't even know this, but clearly Jamal is a cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. We know that from the past, but I didn't know that he was cheating on her whenever they were engaged. That's fucked up for one. And then after they got married, clearly he was still doing it, but I didn't know that her dad didn't go to the wedding. I mean, geez, that was, that really did something to him. So you don't want to fucks with Giselle's dad. I mean, for real. He seems like he could do some damage for real. I appreciated the moment that she had with her dad because even though we know that he hates Jamal, basically, he was being supportive of Giselle because that's his daughter. You know, he wants to be there for his daughter. He wants his daughter to be happy. So that was a nice moment. After that, then we go to Ashley and Michael in their place. Ashley's talking to Michael after his fucked up, like, Gossip City blog thing in his boxers. Like, again, the girl that took the picture, shame on you. Shame on you. I don't like you. But Michael, I don't really like you either. You're you're messing up Ashley to me. And she deserves better, as I said before. Ashley's suggesting a post-nuptial agreement just in case Michael fucks it up again. And look, Michael was the one that was like super prenup, all that kind of stuff. The details, this and this and this and this. But you know what? Michael, you fucked up. So yes, Ashley, you go, girl. Michael, ugh, you make me mad. But he agreed with the whole post-nuptial thing because if he didn't, he'd be a dumb motherfucker. That's all I have to say. See how angry I get with this? Like, look, the whole cheating thing in a relationship really irks me. And my blood boils the way that Monique's blood boiled with Candace. It really, really does. So to all you cheaters out there, which I'm pretty sure is no one listening to this podcast because y'all are fucking fabulous. But I'm just saying... All those cheaters out there, Yin's guys aren't good. You're not stand-up people. That's all. Michael brings up the reason why this all happened, telling her again the intimacy was lost with us. And oh, I just, she's like, basically, you wanted to have sex. You didn't do it with me, so you went to go to someone else. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Again, cop out excuse for any man that wants to say that. Cop motherfucking out excuse. I don't want to hear it ever. And if I do hear it, the door's that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's some messed up. Michael, get over yourself. You're not even that good looking anyways. Then we see him say that he's going to be more disciplined to not have that happen again. But first of all, one, I don't buy that shit. And B, yes, I said B, uh, he's basically anticipating it happening again. I just can't, I can't believe this. Like, Michael, you're a dog. You're like a typical guy dog. You know, it's gross. It's gross. I don't like it. Not saying that all guys are dogs, but I'm just saying Michael is that type of guy. She's not good. But I digress. We go back to Arizona's, which is in Atlanta. That's still funny to me. They're doing the walkthrough. Then we see the producer say to Giselle, so how many kids does Jamal have? Holy shit. Giselle didn't even want to answer. She didn't want to speak on it because it wouldn't be fair to the other kids and to the other mothers. Like, holy shit. How many? Well, we're going to get there because Giselle's dad kind of gives it to us. Not the kids, but how many baby mamas. But just sounds like Jamal's kind of a dog too. He's like up there with Michael, okay? Come on. Let's do better. Be better than the gap, right? Be better than the gap. So eventually we go back to Karen. She's inviting a friend of hers who does like a radio show about relationships and shit because she just wants to be like, yo, Ray, 
we need to get our fire back up. Like, what the hell is going on? So the friend comes over and we find out that Karen and Ray aren't really having sex. They're kind of not doing the intimacy thing anymore. And Karen is saying that she's busy and got her fragrance shit going on. She has no time. Ray wants more attention from her and wants her to cook more to make him feel like he's being paid attention to. And after he says that, Karen expresses to him, you know what, you don't really date me anymore. And you know, I need validation myself. You need more attention from me, but I need validation from you. I'm still in love with you. And here's the other thing that kind of bothers me about this whole situation. With Ray saying, I need more attention, you're busy all the time. Well, guess what, Ray? Before you were retired and you were still working, I almost can guarantee that you were always busy and Karen was probably feeling the same exact way that you're feeling now. So again, I'm going to say that's a bunch of bullshit, okay? That annoys me. Why is there such a double standard within that? Your wife is doing so well business-wise, but you have a problem with it. I can't take that kind of shit. I can't. It's annoying. Guys, I'm a really nice person. I am. I'm a very nice person. Um, Karen's friend asks Ray if he's still in love with her. He says, "I, I, I think that I am. What the fuck, Ray? What the fuck? First of all, you're kind of old. Shouldn't you know after all of your years of living that that probably isn't the right answer, even if it is how you feel? Okay. But really, I like honesty. But I also like to not hear things that make me sad and make me cry. So double-edged sword, I guess. But yeah, so Karen says, I'm still in love with you. And basically, everyone else knows that I'm in love with you except for you, Ray. Like, what the hell? That was a really painful moment. We can definitely see that Karen and Ray, more so Karen, is really going through some shit with Ray. And it's all, it's, it's all kind of coming down on her shoulders because I think Ray is kind of oblivious or he just, he's kind of checked out, which is sad. And I hate to see that for Karen, even though she starts a lot of shit too, but in a different way than Ashley and Candace and all those people. I just don't want to see that. Because I know how in love with Ray she is. And it just makes me, it makes my heart hurt for her. So I hope that things get better within the season between the both of them. We're going to have to wait and see. We end up going back to Atlanta for the relaunch of Arizona's. So Giselle's dad is at the table with everyone. The girls leave to go back to work and all that shit. Then Giselle's like, oh, we're back together. Thank you for support cool then her dad leaves saying that he has to go to the bathroom but then we see oh my god at the end of the episode why do they do this to us it's so intense we see him saying that to the producers of course that he wants to take his mic off he's done with this and he doesn't agree with anything that Giselle is doing or her decision he says I don't agree with the family unit because Jamal has six or seven baby mamas so really Giselle's dad's not going to be supportive I wouldn't be six or seven if that's really true what the fuck like seriously aren't you supposed to be a man of God or something because you're a pastor I mean shit that's some messed up shit to me So apparently he has six or seven baby mamas, and I think if anyone would know, it would be Giselle's dad. So he doesn't support it, and he's saying all of this off camera. I think he thought that his mic was off by then, but it wasn't. Holy shit. Potomac is really just delivering drama. Like drama, like Oscar award winning drama, because I really don't think that you can fake this shit. Like this shit was real AF. Like it really, really was. 
so intense, got me all up in my feels, and I just couldn't deal with it. So with that, we're going to go to our dueling divas. So we got them dueling divas here. New York, baby. Yes. Really only one. Ramona and Sonia with the whole, you don't have 50, 60 girlfriends. They're social climbing. You're being an asshole. I'm here for you while I catch some dick on the way. Obviously, it was Sonia. Hello. So then we have Ramona. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's just, you accumulate all these girlfriends. I started when I was 25 and now I'm 60. I have so many girlfriends. I'm sorry. 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 So Ramona, Sonia, that's the duel. Not really anyone else. Yes, they were talking about Dorinda and Luann, but that was during the season. They weren't really having the duel during the episode. They were just reflecting, right? Same thing with Leanne Ramona. Wasn't even that big of a thing. They got through it. Yes, they're back to the maternal daughter type of relationship, which again, Leah says is kind of weird, but that's just sort of what she looks at as Ramona, as like a motherly type of figure, which I do find pretty interesting. I don't think her mother is anything like Ramona, <laughs> which I think might be a good thing. <laughs> But their relationship is interesting. And also, too, by the way, find out Leah did sign up for the new season coming up eventually. So she didn't leave. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because her season was kick-ass. And I just can't wait to see what else she's got for us in the future. So she is returning next season for New York. And it's going to be amazing. Here we go. Real Housewives of Potomac. Obviously, no question at all. Candace Monique. I don't even need to really elaborate because we all saw it. We've seen it happen. I'm almost wondering too though, would this physical fight have happened if Monique and Candace spoke about the Charisse cheating rumor scandals with Chris? If they spoke about it beforehand? I don't know. I'm curious about that because again, Monique kind of brings it up before she bashes at Candace, right? But if they really did sit down and have a conversation the way that Candace had with Ashley about the whole he has a boyfriend and a wife shit with Giselle, I think maybe the fight would have been avoided. I don't think it would have happened, period. I really don't. So I'm kind of curious as to why they didn't try to do that in the first place. I don't know if we'll ever find out, to be honest, but I do think that it could have been non-existent if they would have talked about it beforehand, even if they slipped Sharice in there too, to kind of help mend this whole thing. Because at the moment, we're all still like, is it true? Is it not true? We don't really know. I don't really think it is true. I don't think Monique would cheat on her husband. I'd be too scared to cheat on him because he's a big dude. He could like come after you. I don't know. I'd just be too scared. Now, as far as the shade for New York, we got... <laughs> Dorinda saying that it's a little silly that Ramona is throwing a 60th birthday for herself. I mean, you know, 60, I guess that's a big turning point in age, right? I don't know. I'm 33, so what the fuck would I know? But obviously we have first birthday, 13, 21, over the hill. I think that's 50. Yeah, so 60, I don't know. That's another 10 years, whatever. Cool, you're 60. Awesome, awesome. I hope I get there, you know? But yeah, Dorinda thinks it's silly that she's throwing a birthday for herself at her age. But you know what? YOLO. Yeah, just YOLO. This was good shade thrown by Leah to Ramona, saying that after Ramona's party, her birthday party with her sex and girlfriends, that she finally got her real Gucci bag because her other shit was fake as fuck. <laughs> then you see Ramona. No, it was a 
fake. None of my shit is fake. It is real. And then you hear, uh, then you hear Sonya in the back. Chinatown, Chinatown. So apparently you can get some really good fake ass bags in Chinatown or New York City. Maybe I should go check it out. I would love to get myself a real ass Gucci bag, but this little bitch right here doesn't have any money. So I can't do it. So maybe Chinatown, here I come, okay? Once coronavirus is like more settled, even though I think we're on our second wind. So everyone stay fucking safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, all this shit. Don't have parties, don't be stupid. You know what I'm saying. Last shade that I have for uh, New York, I would say Ramona mentioning the weight thing with Sonia. That was mean shade, okay? That wasn't even nice. I mean, I just didn't dig it. That was not cool. The way that she said it, Ramona has a terrible way of delivery and we all fucking know that. So Ramona, why would you do that? I love the fact though, Sonia comes back in and she throws her little shade to Ramona after Ramona's talking about, oh, I just wanted to tell Sonia about her weight. Sonia says, yeah, well, you're looking up right now. Holy moly. You know what? They're like two peas in a pod, Ramona and Sonia. Sisters from another mister, kind of like Robin and Giselle. You know, I say that all the time. And uh, I don't know. I guess they feel super duper duper comfortable with each other to say that enough. I guess that's cool. But it's not cool to do that on uh, national television, if you ask me. So, yes. I'm also going to be straight up too. So, weekly shade, right? We had some good moments from New York, obvi. But because this week was so intense with Potomac, I don't even have a weekly shade because the shade there was just mean. I mean, most of the shade, it's like light, funny, it's kind of mean, but there's like humor to it. There was no humor at all in this episode at all. It was just all raw emotions all up in your face. And I didn't really find a lot of the things that were said funny as far as anything really I mean I know that Candace said something about Monique being a hood ass rat bitch or whatever I don't find that funny um so I don't really want to include it in any shade really yeah so again not really any shade from my end I think the physical fight was enough than actually having the shade so I'm gonna leave it off at that So now we're on the quote, honey. The quote of the week. New York style. Get your hot dog, get your pizza from your vendor. Okay. (sighs) (laughs) Sonia, reminiscing, okay, whenever they were talking about the girls event, which I think might have been Ramona's party, but I can't really remember. But we have the flashback of Sonia saying, and I just thought this was great. The only reason to leave a girl's event is to catch a dick. Laughs, LOL, ha ha ha. Yes, I love that. That was great. (laughs) This was really good too. Oh, Ramona. Andy's asking her a question that has nothing to do with her response. Her response is, you know, the reason why I have a lot of girlfriends, then Andy slips in. I wasn't asking you that. (laughs) So Ramona just hears certain things that she wants to hear. And obviously she really just wants to elaborate on why she has so many goddamn friends. Girlfriends, okay? But apparently through Dorinda, she's saying that Ramona's hooking up with dudes night after night after night. Who knows? But if she is, good for you, Ramona. Go get your groove on. You know what I'm saying? Stella got her groove back and her name is Ramona. Again, still referring to the girlfriends that Ramona has, that no one else has, basically. (laughs) This is it. Sonia says, 
Where are those people gonna be when it's you and me at two-for-one martinis at the burger heaven? Then you see Andy's face, and he's like, oh my gosh, this is great. Love that scene. Thank you, Sonia, for being yourself. Ellen Barkin, yes. Watch out, honey, because Sonia's coming. Sonia by Sonia Morgan. I just have one quote from Potomac. And again, it's not really a funny quote. I just thought it was something uh, that was different and not something that you would hear every day from our housewives, I don't think. And it was just kind of mean. So the quote is coming from Candace, and this is after she gets her hair pulled, tugged, right? She says, get that hood rat ass bitch out of here. That was pretty intense. Definitely wasn't meant to be funny. She was a thousand percent serious about it. Monique does seem slightly violent at this point in the season, and I guess we're seeing a side of her that we've never seen before. I'm curious if Chris has ever seen it. So, but yeah, that's a quote. Definitely not my quote of the week. My quote of the week, honeys, of course, is from Miss Sonia. Where are these people going to be when it's you and me at two-for-one martinis at the burger heaven? That's my quote of the week, huns, and yeah, that was my fave. Alrighty, Yins, guys, that was a fucking shit show in all of the best emotions, the bad emotions. It was like a rainbow of events, many different colors. It was so intense. It was just crazy. Thank you so much for taking this ride with me on the Bravo bus. I know Yins guys are all Bravo believers. If you believe, 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 follow us on Instagram. Follow me at Bravo Yinzer, that is Yinzer spelled Y-I-N-Z-E-R, and follow us at Believe Podcasts and Believe Pop Culture. That is B-L-E-A-V for Believe. I got to tell you, this has just been a blast. I'm loving the comments that you're giving me on my posts, on my stories. I also am obsessed that Robin Dixon actually responded to one of my stories. Oh my God. I was so fucking excited. And shout out to Robin Dixon because I fucking love you. And I also got one of your hats. Check it out. The embellished shop, I think is what it's called. She's got amazing fucking hats. Check it out. I got the love one. It was really, really cute. So free promo for you, Robin. What? Yes, yes, yes. So again, like us on iTunes, subscribe, give us five stars because you know you want to. You know what I'm saying? Drop me a DM on the Instagram, again, at Bravo Yinzer. Uh, Don't hesitate to reach out. I want to talk to all of you. If you love Bravo, let me know. I'd love to have you on the show. We'll talk shit. Let's get ready. Hope you guys have an amazing week. Special guests coming up soon. Be excited for that. Some that have been on the show before and then some people that you don't know yet, but you will. Again, have a great Tuesday. I'll see you guys next week. Enjoy Potomac, honey, and I'll see you guys then. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 